0: Hey, we're so glad for those of you that are with us today, and in just a couple of minutes I'm going to be turning to some verses of Scripture in Matthew chapter 4, and uh, we're excited to be part of this live stream today, and it's something a little bit different because normally we just shoot the video on Friday or Saturday, and then Brent or Ethan uploads it, and then we post it on Sunday morning, and so this is a, something a little bit different, and so our worship wasn't online, so maybe hopefully in the next few weeks it will be. Uh, still working, working on those kind of things, but glad that you're part of this. And it's a lot—it's a lot easier to speak to a crowd and a group of people than it is uh, in a room, in an empty room. Okay, and so it's going to be a little different, for, even for the people that that's been watching online. Okay, and so let me let me share this. Uh, let me share this uh, message with you today. You know, sometimes these things won't turn right. There we go. I got it. I got to turn right there. Uh, and we're going to look at we're going to look at Matthew chapter number 4 beginning with verse number 1. Going to read the first four verses to begin with. Here's what the Bible says. And then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. And for 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted. He became very hungry. And during that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I want to talk to you today uh, we've been in this series of choices and I want to talk about the choice of slaying the dragon of temptation, slaying the dragon of temptation. And in particular, I want to talk to you about uh, guarding your heart and life against three different kinds of tries to bring to us. And, and the first one is the justification of our actions. The second one is the temptation of doubt and unbelief. And finally, I want to talk to you a little bit about the temptation of dissatisfaction. You know, Satan tries everything that he can to use sin and temptation to destroy the dreams and the plans of God. And uh, God's got a plan for your life. God's got a plan. And, and that plan is to bring people to Jesus Christ. And God works through you and I to do that, to bring his dreams and plans, to bring the lost to salvation and to redemption through Jesus Christ. And so Satan tries to use temptation to stop God's purpose and to stop God's will. He tried here in in Matthew chapter 4, Satan tried to lure Jesus away from God's will, the will, will of the Father through temptation, and he tries to do the very same thing. He'll try to, he's trying to destroy your life through temptation. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 14, it tells us that temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. I've got many gifted and talented friends, and the devil has tried to destroy them through the cycle of sin and the cycle of temptation. He tries his best to get us to fail. He tries his best to get us to stumble. And then when we make a mistake, when we stumble, when we sin, then the devil comes and he laughs at us. He says, listen, you are a disgrace. You are a laughing stock. You're never going to rise above this mistake. You're never going to rise above this failure. Everybody is talking about you. Everybody knows exactly what you have done. When Jesus went to the wilderness to fast and pray for 40 days, when he was at a weak point physically, he was, he was the son of God, but he took on flesh. And taking on flesh, he had to eat food, all right? He had to, he had to sleep. And when Jesus was at a very low point Physically, what happened? Satan tried to come to tempt Jesus. And, the devil, and if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread and then just eat. The devil told Jesus, he said, you would be justified. You would be completely justified in making bread for yourself. He said, because it looks like God isn't bringing you any bread. So go ahead and make your own bread. You're going to be completely justified in that act to create your own bread. So go ahead, create a way if you are the son of God. You see, sin many times starts with the temptation of justification of our actions. The devil will say, you've got an excuse You've got a reason today. You're hungry. You're justified. Because God has forgotten all about you and God can't take care of you. And you've got to make your own choices. And you've got to make your own way. And you've got to be your own source. And you've got to find your own nourishment. Because you're not finding it from God. They're all tricks and lies of the devil. To try to get us to justify our actions and to give in to sin, you see, sin starts when we, be, we when we begin to justify our actions. The God says, or the devil says, "Listen, God's not giving you a husband or wife; you got to go out and find your own." The devil says, "God's not giving you a, a spouse; go out and just borrow one for a night." All right, the devil says it. He talks about it. It'd be easy. You're justified. You're lonely. People are pure in their own eyes. But the Lord examines their motives. What that scripture says is this. We can always find justification for everything that we do. Everything. There's a good excuse for everything. Thing, for every sin, for every mistake, for every failure. Often an extramarital affair begins with the justification of our actions. It's like, I can't talk to my spouse. My spouse doesn't communicate with me. There's a guy at work that I can talk to, okay? There's a lady at work that really understands me. And my wife is not paying attention to me. If, if my husband paid more attention to me, then I would never have thought about doing that. Often addiction begins with justification. People say, well, I just need a little break from reality. And so we give in and we justify our actions. People say, I'm, I'm, I'm bored, self-medicating. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 22 tells us this. An evil man is held captive by his own sins. They're ropes that catch and hold him. He will die for lack of self-control. He will be lost because of his great foolishness. You see, what I'm telling you this morning is sin often begins with the temptation of justifying our actions. People say, I deserve to be happy. I need a little spice in my life. I need a little in enjoyment and a little excitement in my life. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 19. It is pleasant to see dreams come true, but fools refuse to turn from evil to attain them. You see, temptation turns into sin in times of boredom and inactivity. I recall reading about King David in the Bible. And when David should have been leading his troops into battle, what's he doing? He's having an affair with Bathsheba. Why? Because he is inactive. He was bored. He wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing. He was not performing the will of God. And so he went and did his own thing. You see, we gotta get, we got to be on guard against every device of the devil. And what we've got to do is we got to guard our time we got to guard our heart. we got to guard our emotions. We've got to guard whatever it is that we do in our life, our, our actions and our activities. Because when we are weak, often the devil will come like he came to Jesus, and he will try to tempt us to create our own bread. But Jesus, notice this, Jesus overcame the devil with the whole word of God. The devil said, listen, you're hungry. Turn these stones into bread. And Jesus said, listen, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And you and I have got to make it a practice, a continual, consistent practice of consuming the word of God because the word of God is our source and the word of God is our strength and the word of God is our guide. And we are going to slay the dragon of temptation, the temptation of justifying our actions, through the entire Word of God. So, first of all, we got to guard against the temptation of justifying our actions. Secondly, we got to guard against the temptation of uh, doubt and unbelief. Look at these verses here in Matthew chapter five, verse Matthew chapter four, verse five. Then the devil took him to the city. To the holy city Jerusalem. He took him to the highest point point of the temple and he said, If you're the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands and you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, The scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. We've got to be on guard against the temptation of doubt and the temptation of unbelief. Satan told Jesus this. He said, make God prove his love for you. Make God prove himself. Make God prove that he is powerful. Just go up and jump off the temple, and surely you're supposed to be the son of God. Surely God, if he's as big as you say he is, surely God will save you from death. He came with a temptation of doubt. He came with a temptation of disbelief. You see, the, here's what the devil will tell you, all right? And there's some of you that's going to be here today. I think all of us can identify with what I'm saying right now, okay? The devil will come and he'll say, listen, if God is so big and God is so powerful and you're supposed to be a Christian, why do you have so many problems, right? Right? The devil will tell you, if God is so big and you're a believer, why are you sick? He tries to bring doubt. He tries to get us to doubt the existence and the authority of God. The devil will come and he'll say, listen, if you're God's child, why are you having so many financial problems? He's trying to get you to doubt your faith. He's trying to to get you to to give in to sin because of doubt and because of disbelief. You see, the temptation of unbelief is full of questions. And the devil will cause us to doubt the reality of God. Don't let the devil deceive you into the temptation of doubt and unbelief. The temptation of of unbelief is the opposite of walking in the faith. Because when we're walking and, and giving into unbelief, it keeps us from, it keeps us trapped and walking in the flesh, okay? When I'm giving into the spirit of unbelief and doubt, it keeps me struggling in Jason. I can't continue to struggle in the flesh. I continue to struggle with the same old things. I continue to look at things, from an earth into to this, this temptation of doubt and disbelief. The temptation, and here's probably the biggest one. The temptation of unbelief keeps us looking for signs and wonders. Now the Pharisees, the Pharisees were people that were walking in the flesh. They were living in the flesh. Because Jesus, they're, they're constantly trying to get Jesus to do a miracle. You know, Jesus proved that you're, you're the Son of God by doing a miracle. And all the time, Jesus had been performing miracles. He'd been raising the dead. He'd been healing the sick. He'd been opening the blinded eyes. And yet the Pharisees, they're, they're, they're stuck in unbelief. They're stuck in denial. They're stuck in in doubt. And so they totally disregarded. And they're constantly looking for another sign and another wonder and another Miracle, You see, the temptation of unbelief keeps us looking for the supernatural, okay? We're looking for a supernatural manifestation of of God's power. You know why? Because we're struggling with unbelief. That's why we're looking for that supernatural manifestation. Are you saying, Pastor Bob, God's not supernatural? Yes, He is supernatural. God can do anything He wants, but He doesn't have to prove it to me. I know he's God. You say, how do you know? Because I I know him in my heart. I know him in my life. I've seen his hand on my life. He doesn't have to prove himself to me. I'm not struggling with doubt. I'm not struggling with with unbelief. I'm not not struggling with all of these things today and all these questions. You know, there's a new commercial on television. You've probably seen it. And it's for California psychics. Anyone ever seen Cal, call California psychics and get in an, you can get an accurate reading over the phone from California psychics so I get on their website okay and I'm I'm, I'm looking up on their website and uh, I'm scrolling down through all the psychics and they got like like hundreds of them you know and like on the top of it the top bar it says right now there's 27 psychics and they're on the they're on the phone connecting with people there's 31 and they're waiting to talk to you right now you know and i'm looking on the advertisement it says this if you're a brand new member i can talk to one for a, for a dollar a minute that's a bargain that's only 60 dollars an hour okay so i'm scrolling down the regular price is like 5 bucks a minute okay and that's if you're not a new customer. That's if you're a return caller, I guess. So I'm scrolling down through the list and I come to this conclusion okay, I can talk to a psychic. Uh, it's kind of like a b- beginner psychic. That's what they're going to let me talk to someone that's just getting started as a psychic for a dollar a minute. And so I keep scrolling down because, like I said, they got so many of them. And I find there's one and he's like 15 bucks a minute. Okay. So it's like, okay, I can talk to a beginner. For $60 an hour, or I can talk to a a really professional psychic, and that's the question about psychics, okay? Why don't, I'm wondering, why don't I read more stuff about psychics winning the lottery? Think about that for a minute, because they advertise that they can see the future, okay? And so if they can see the future, why are they wasting their time talking to me, (laughs) That would be writing numbers down, okay? I want you to think about that for a minute. Today, Satan's deception is to get people to believe everything except God today. That's the deception of the devil. His deception is to get people to believe everything except the Word of God, to believe everything except that Jesus saves, to believe everything today. But I see the evidence of the saving grace of God. You know where? I see it in your life. There are those of you, I see God in you. I see the hand of God. I see the work of God. There are people that I know. There are people that I've met in my life, and they were once addicted and and bound by drugs or alcohol or whatever, and God set them free in an instant. I see the hand of God. I see the reality. I see the power of God in, in changed lives today. I don't need evidence because I see evidence in people that were once bound and God delivered them in a moment. So we've got to be on guard against the temptation. First of all, the justification of our actions. And secondly, we got to be on guard against the temptation of doubt and unbelief. Let me go on and talk about one more thing here. Matthew chapter four, verse eight. And next, the devil took Jesus to the peak Of a very high mountain. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said, I will give it all to you, he said, if you kneel down and worship me. And Jesus said, Get out of here, Satan, for the scripture says you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. You see, Satan showed Jesus the kingdoms of the world. And he promised to give all of them to Jesus if all, all Jesus had to do was fall down and worship him. Now, every time I read this story, it just proves to me, Ernest, that the devil's not very smart. Because <laughs> it's like, I read that, and I know that Jesus came from heaven. All right? And, and, and I just, it proves that, that, that Satan is, 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 is ridiculously stupid. Because Jesus is the living word of God. And John chapter 1 lets us know that through Jesus, the living word of God, that all things that have been created were created. Because John chapter 1 verse 1 to 3 says this, And in the beginning the word already existed. And the word was with God. Jesus, the son, was with God. And the word was God. And he existed in the beginning with God. And God created everything through him, the living word. And nothing was created, already belonged to God the Father. But the devil tried to tempt Jesus with dissatisfaction. And the devil tries to tempt us with dissatisfaction. It's always a bigger bank account. It's always a bigger car it's always a better house all right it's always a better this it's always a better that it's a temptation of dissatisfaction but the temptation of dissatisfaction will eventually it will cost you your soul it will cost you everything satan told jesus i will give you the whole world but you're going to have to bow down and worship me there's a verse in the scripture that says, what would it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lost his own soul? Wouldn't be worth it today. We've got to be on guard because the devil hits us every single day with his spirit and with his temptation of dissatisfaction. We look at our stuff, and then we look at someone else's stuff, okay? We, we look at what God has put into our hands, I used to, the place I used to work handed out people's paychecks in an envelope where no one could see what anyone else made. Because the truth of the matter was, we were all supposed to be making the same thing, but people were making different amounts. You know, this guy's getting a little bit more money because he's got a little bit more time and a little bit more experience and a little bit more responsibility. But if someone finds that out, there might be a riot. <laughs> okay, you know what I'm saying. They probably do the same thing at your job, okay? They put in an envelope. No one can see it. No spirit of dissatisfaction. It's never enough. It's never enough today. We got to get we got to get over it today. Sin demands more and more. Sin is never satisfied. In Luke chapter 15, we have the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son told his father, he said, listen, father, give me my inheritance because I could, I'm could. i only a kid, but I could manage my stuff a lot better than you can. Dad, even though you've got a big gigantic ranch and all kinds of, you've got hundreds of acres or thousands of acres, and dad, you've got all kinds of cattle, but I'm a snot-nosed kid and I can manage my life better than you can. He was, he was overwhelmed with this spirit and this temptation of dissatisfaction. Dad, give me my part of the inheritance because I can do a lot better job of managing my life than you can. And so that's what the devil wants us. He wants, to sad, he wants to saddle us with his temptation of dissatisfaction. We're always seeking something bigger. We're always seeking something better. We're always wanting the thing that we don't have, the thing that someone else has had. The 10th the, the, the commandment is thou shalt not covet. He tells us don't covet your neighbor's stuff. Don't co- covet your neighbor's cattle. Don't covet your neighbor's wife. Uh, don't covet anything else. Praise God for what you have. Get over this temptation of dissatisfaction. The prodigal son went out, wasted everything, finally came to his senses. He's in the pig pen. He's feeding the pigs. What The, the, slop, the pig slop looked better to him than what he was eating. <laughs> came to his self and said, I'll just go back home. I'll tell my dad that I'll be his servant. But here's what happened. He went back home and the father restored him. Praise God. If we've fallen, if we failed, we can always go back to the father and find restoration. I don't know. I don't care where you're at. I don't know where you're at today, but there's restoration for you. Whatever we've done, because every one of us make mistakes. We have faults. We have failures. We give into to sin. We give into to this temptation of dissatisfaction. Whatever it is, the father has restoration for us. Dissatisfaction is a temptation that has destroyed so many. Because Proverbs chapter 27 verse 20 says this, just as death and destruction are never satisfied, so human desire is never satisfied. You see, we got to guard our heart and our mind and our soul. Because Satan promises things that he can't deliver. When the devil told Jesus He said, listen, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. The devil could not deliver. Someone ever promised you something they can't deliver? I get offers, two or three offers, email of people that want to give me millions of dollars. Does anyone else ever get those? I get them. I'm getting two or three a week. And most of these people are usually from Nigeria. I don't know why there's so many rich people in Nigeria, you know. I am, you know, I'm the owner of this estate worth $7.5 million, and and because you're such a nice guy. And how they found out I'm such a nice guy, I'll never know. But they know I'm a nice guy. (laughs) And so that's what really, that's kind of the hook for me, the reason I want to give it a try, because they got that right. Did you notice my head? Anyone notice this, what happened here? Debbie hit, hit me with a golf club while I was sleeping. And she was real smart, okay? Because she didn't hit me with the club part. She hit me with the stem part. It's like, wham! I'm sleeping. I wake up. What in the world? What happened? She said, I think a piece of plastered. <laughs> The truth of the matter is we're working at the church. I had to do something to prove that we're actually working at the church. I said, Debbie, hit me. No. Anyway, getting ridiculous now, okay. But I get these offers, two or three offers a week. People want to give me millions of dollars, and all they want is my bank information. And it's... It's really tempting, you know. They sound so good, but I'm wise enough to know they sound too good to be true. The plan is deceptive. In fact, the promise is this. The promise is to give me wealth beyond my wildest dreams, but the end result is to extort whatever I have. That's the the temptation of dissatisfaction. The devil says this, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. The devil says this, I'll give you a better husband than that bum you're married to right now. I'll give you a better wife than you've got right now. I'll give you a better family than you've got right now. You say the offer seems too good to be true, okay? But the plan is to extort what you've already got, the blessings you've already got, the power of God in your life, the benefits you've already got, so he can rob you of everything. We, we've got to see this, this temptation of dissatisfaction. It's a trick of the devil to rob us of everything good, of every blessing that God has put in our life. You and I were created to worship God. I'm getting ready to close. We were created to worship God. And your heart and mind, there's some of you that are sitting here today and you said, I got no joy. I've got no fulfillment. I got no satisfaction. You know what the problem is? You're not worshiping God. There's a desire on the inside of you. There's something holding you back. Maybe right now it's fear that's holding you back. I don't know what's holding you back. There's something holding you back. You were created and designed to worship God. Your heart your soul, your life will never be full until you surrender to God, you surrender all of your thoughts and all of your ideas and all of your preconceived notions and you really begin to worship God because lasting joy and satisfaction can only come through surrendering our life to God through worshiping God. And peace and freedom from guilt and shame will only come from the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Satan tempted Jesus to seek the kingdoms of the world rather than to fulfill the will of the Father. The only way you're going to have joy in your life is if you fulfill the will of the Father. And chances are, the will of the Father is not for you to quit your job and become a missionary in Africa. More than likely chances there was a time when i was growing up it was like every preacher's preaching like everyone ought to quit their job right now and all everyone ought to become pastors like right now okay they're like there might be like one person in this whole room that eventually becomes a pastor you say what about the rest of us there could be one person here that becomes a missionary what about the rest of us every one of us are called i've been saying this for a long time every believer is a leader you are a leader You are gifted by God. You are called by God. The anointing of God is on you in your circle of influence, in your sphere of influence. And the reason some of us are living and walking in frustration is because we've been running from the will of God. We've been running from the plans of God. We've been running from the call of God. And that's why we don't have any joy and satisfaction in our life. It's about doing the will of the Father. It's about no longer satisfying the desires of the flesh. Because as I said at the beginning of this message, the the intent of the devil is to get us to give in to sin and temptation. Why? So we abort the will of God. He wants us to abort the will of God. He wants us to abort the dreams and plans of God. He wants to uh, us to abort the purpose of God. That's the reason the devil tried to stop Jesus with temptation. He was trying to get him to halt the will and the plan of God. We got to stop hanging around with the devil. Listen, the devil's always going to try to come up and, and bring temptation, but what we got to do is this. We have to stop justifying our actions. We got to get rid of this spirit of. We got to stop entertaining a spirit of doubt and unbelief. And there's a lot of us and we we entertain that all the time. We continually let the devil come to us and question the power and the authority of God. Okay? And tell us, well, you know, God don't even know who you are. God don't care about you. God can't take care of you. You know, that's why your whole life is nothing but a living hell because there is no God. You got to stop listening to that stuff. We have to stop playing with the temptation of justification, of doubt and unbelief, and the temptation of dissatisfaction. And realize, listen, I am called by God. I am commissioned by God. I am designed by God. I am important to God. I am special to God. There is something that God has called me to do. And more than likely, more than likely, your gifting and your calling has something to do with what, your gifts and talents are. Right now, I've been, we've been over at the church recently, and you know what I've been doing? I've been hanging duck work. And I did that job for 23 years, and I absolutely hated it, Julie, because it was so far beneath me. And I just got the job because I got married, and it's just like I had to pick up a paycheck because I was going to be a, become a pastor someday. And bless God, I, I'm, I am so far above this job, and I absolutely hated it. But I made pretty good money, so I stuck with it for a long time. And I just kind of did a little preaching and ministry on the side as I was given an opportunity. I was like, I was a, a youth pastor at Solid Rock for 15 years in a total unpaid position. Debbie was a kids pastor, 15 years total unpaid position. We served, we worked. And now I am a pastor. We're building a brand new church and we're hanging the duck work, you know? At the church, we're probably going to do this job for $50,000, the HVAC, on this big church. My buddy came over the other day and help me do the building. He said, "Bobby said, you know what it would cost you if you guys would have hired a contractor to do this building? I said, probably 100000 Steve said, listen, Bob, this would be a $200,000 job. You know what God said to me? He said, the reason you worked in that sheet metal department for 23 years is so you could save this church $150,000. You see, God, we're, we're looking for something big to do. I want to do something big. I want to do something spectacular. You know? When God called Moses, Moses stood there and complained with him for a while. And Moses said, God, who am I? What in the world gifts I got? What in the world talents I got? What, here, you know what God said to him? What is in your hand? What is in your hand? I'm asking you that question today. What is in your hand? What gift, what talent do you have that God wants to use? That God wants to use? Jeff Davidson. Jeff Davidson, your dad, was in this church for a long time. I think he's living in Springfield now. Jeff Davidson used to tell me, Pastor Bob, God called me to come here and help you build a church. And I I think about that a lot. I think about that a lot. And he did help us do a lot of stuff. Listen, we're called, we're equipped by God. We got to get past justifying our temptation, justifying our sin, we got to get past the unbelief. We got to get past the doubt. We got to get past the dissatisfaction. And we got to get up and do something for God. We got to get up and, and and serve God. And everything that we do is for the glory of God. Everything. Everything that we do is an example. Everything that we do is to, to honor Jesus and to lift up Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. Everything, everything, it's all about it. It's all about it today. Amen. I want you to think about what I've said today. I want these things to sink into your heart. I want you to pray about them. I want you to pray about them. There's some of us we have been struggling with justifying our actions. We've been struggling with unbelief. We've been struggling with dissatisfaction, but it's a brand new day. It's a brand new day because we're telling the devil, get out. I'm not listening to you. I'm not paying attention. I know he's going to come back, but I'm not going to sit there and argue with the devil. <laughs> I'm not going to sit there and play, you know, let him play with my mind. I'm taking authority. I'm going to keep my eye on the goal. I want to keep my eye on the task before me. And do the will of God and do the work of God and glorify Jesus in all things. Let's let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you today, God, for your word, for this story of freedom and liberty that Jesus showed to us by his example. When he fasted and prayed, when he was, when he was very strong spiritually, he was weak physically. He was, he was tired. He was tired from being in the wilderness. He was tired, hungry from the lack of food. And when the devil came, his mind was made up. His mind was centered upon truth. And when the devil comes, I pray God to tempt us that we'll be strong in the Spirit because we prepared ourselves in prayer. We have prepared ourselves in the Holy Ghost. We have prepared ourselves in your word. And help us, God, to stand. And to realize, God, that you have called us, equipped us, assigned us. And God, I just pray that you'll use us and you'll bless us and you'll help us, dear God, in everything that we do. God, that it's all for the glory of Jesus. It's all to win the lost. It's all to bless others. It's all to help someone else to find their way to Jesus. And I pray, God, for those that are struggling, whether we're struggling with justification of our actions, whether we're struggling with unbelief, whether we're struggling with dissatisfaction, to put those things aside. Paul said, when I was a child, I thought as a child, I spoke as a child, as I understood as a child. But God, I pray there will be men and women of faith and will get up and move forward in you and do your will in Jesus' name, amen.